I'm going to make a, a statement to you, and I, I want you to, just for a moment, um, ponder what comes into your mind. You know, if you've looked ahead in the text, you're going to know exactly where I'm going with this, but uh, don't look ahead in the text. Let me just tell you this statement. You have been chosen. What comes to mind now? I would imagine that there should be some questions that come into your mind when I tell you, or imagine a person just approaches you. You're maybe already all thinking, you know, where, knowing where I'm going to go with this, but imagine somebody approaches you on the roadway and just stops you and says, you have been chosen. What comes to mind? I certainly hope you're going to have a few questions that you don't just Put your hands to your face and in glee start running away saying, I've been chosen, I've been chosen. There's a whole bunch of things we need to know first before we have an appropriate response. Things such as chosen for what? I would want to know, what are you choosing me for? I want to know, by whom have I been chosen? I also want to know, why have you chosen me? Another question that I would immediately have is, why haven't you chosen other people? I want you to think about that. We're going to deal with those questions because the text that we have before us today in Ephesians chapter 1 is that question. Or it's not that question, sorry. It is that statement that has been given to the uh, Ephesian believers, the early Christian church. Paul says, you have been chosen. So let's look at the text now. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start at the first verse so that we understand the context. We're going to go right through to verse 14. But we will focus on verse 4 alone. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus... Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love." having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, 
after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. I I read these uh, scriptures together again, um, and we, we should do this often, because these are the doxology, that the, the, the praise that Paul lifts up to the people, or um, the, this is the, uh, uh, the, the hymn that he sings uh, as an opener. And all of these things are consistently, uh, we, we need to go back to this uh, as we read in chapter four, uh, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. We should always be going back to these selection of verses, this doxology, because so much of what the Apostle Paul is going to say to the church in the rest of the letter is contained in here. So here, now let's look at this uh, text in, in verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So here we have this statement that we have been chosen. He's telling this church, this church that has been only for 30 years or so, really um, uh, in existence, um, in the new covenant, and, and they needed to know that even as the uh, the Old Testament saints, the children of Israel, had been chosen, and we can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says that God chose the people of Israel, and he took them out of Egypt. And uh, we read also in Exodus chapter 9 why he did these things. But we, we have this, this identity that they are chosen. And now the new church is, needs to be encouraged as well that you are chosen. And so we have here um, this, this scripture that talks about, and, and if we look at the first word, according, this ties this, the verse 4 back to what Paul had just said. So according as he hath chosen us. So according, be, in the, first, the, the verse before, he had just talked about how we have received all of these spiritual blessings. And, and so if we look at that word, that word is basically saying, I say this statement, verse 3, the reason I say this, the reason I say that you have all of these uh, spiritual blessings in heavenly places, look, because you are chosen. That's one of the blessings. It's the, the statement that he makes at the, in verse 3 is predicated on the evidence that he's now going to present. Another way of saying that is, for he chose. For. Um, or even as he chose, just as he chose, according as he chose. The, the verses before, the, the uh, spiritual blessings, Paul can say with absolute certainty because he knows the truths that are going to follow. You have, number one, been chosen. So let's look at this scripture now. Uh, as it's, uh, We're going to answer these questions, the questions that I've had that came to my mind as I think about uh, being chosen. What does it mean to be chosen and so on? And as we go through this scripture, we're going to answer some of these questions. So let's look at the first section. Or Actually, hold on, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's, what does it mean to be chosen? What does it mean to, uh, just a simple word, to choose, right? To select or selected from a number. I have a, an assortment in front of me. And I select some. 
I choose some. Picked out, taken in preference. So we have this notion, Paul says to the believers, to the church, I have chosen you. I have picked you. I have picked among an assortment. I have taken the church. Let's look at the first question. Who? Chosen by whom? Now, this idea, as we go through this scripture, we're confronted with who are we chosen by. And, and the question that when, when we're, we're pondering that I have been chosen, the, it's very important who is doing the choosing. Because that usually tells us something about the intent of why they have chosen or the veracity of the choosing, or the faithfulness of the choosing. I'll give you some examples of being chosen, and you tell me if you would want to be chosen by this particular person. Would you want to be chosen by an executioner? Now imagine this, I remember Brother Richard Jankov a long time ago in camp, when we were still back in Juniata, he shared his, uh, uh, an account of in a concentration camp, there were some people who uh, transgressed, they tried to escape I believe it was, and as punishment to them, ten other people were chosen to be executed. Now, can you imagine being in that group, standing in front of that uh, barrack, and, and hearing your name? And I remember when he presented this at camp, he would shout out the names of the seats. Can you imagine what it would have felt like then to be chosen? It would not be a, cert, uh, a privilege at all. It would be something that you're praying doesn't happen. How about a, uh, somebody from the, uh, the crime, the crime world, a crime boss? I want to choose you to do my nefarious work. I want to choose you to, to be my henchman, to do my dirty work. Would that be a privilege? Would you want to be chosen by that person? Isn't being chosen a good thing? In that case, absolutely not. How about being chosen by a parent? Would you want to be chosen by your parent? Of course you would. How about, and this is especially uh, uh, applicable to our younger people, how about being chosen by your peers? Would you want to be chosen by your peers? Oh, more than anything else, don't we want to? Don't we want to not be left out? Don't we want people to look at us and say, I choose you? So what's the answer in this scripture? It says, as he hath, the first few words, as he, according as he hath chosen. Who is the he? If we look back one verse, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has chosen. Do you want to be chosen? Do you know what it means to be chosen by the Lord? By the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know enough about him that that would uh, uh, thrill your heart? That that would uh, uh, thrill you to no end? That you, your heart would rejoice and that the singing and worship would come from you? Do you know God that way? 
Have you gone through the scriptures and, and, and reviewed, uh, his, his faithfulness and his, his constancy and his love and his mercy? And have you gone through the Egyptian halal? We just did that. And how they were holding on to the fact that his love and his mercy endureth forever. Is that special to you? Do you want to be chosen by the one? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is maybe a mental checklist that we need to make in here. Because if that just passes by you, as in like, oh yeah, I take it or leave it. We have a problem. We have a problem of ignorance. We have a problem where the word is is so unknown to us that we can see the creator in all of his glory through the words of the, the scriptures and still be unmoved. You cannot. You cannot go into this world and, and view the glories of the universe, the cosmos, and, and the glory of the microcosmos and, and be unaffected by it. So if that statement doesn't move you, it's because you don't know him. And you have a really big problem right now, is you need to know him. And you need to know him better. And the only way you're going to know him is to get into this word, is to pour over the word, is to become addicted to the word, dedicate ourselves to the word so that we know what it means to be chosen, that he hath chosen us. And that even if we stop right there, that would be enough for us to know that he, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has chosen us. So an encouragement, brother and sister, check with yourself right now. Does that bother you that, that you don't, that it doesn't move you? It ought to. It ought to uh, frighten us if that statement to know that God has chosen us means nothing or very little to you. The next question that I would like to answer or to ask is why me? Or as it says us, why us? Why was I chosen? Why wasn't the other guy chosen, or the other person chosen, or the other whatever chosen? There is a reason why you were chosen. There is a reason why uh, Paul was able to confidently say to the church that you have been chosen. Some questions that come to my mind. Is it my attributes? Somebody says, you have been chosen. And after I figured out who it was, why did you choose me? Is it because of my attributes? Am I fast? Or am I tall? Or am I short? Smart or simple? Uh, is it a certain nationality? Am I attractive? Or maybe I'm expendable? Or maybe I'm able? Is it something that, that I can do? Or, or an attribute that I have? Uh, is it a heritage? You come from the right family. Certainly with the, the nation of Israel, it was all about heritage. God chose them because of the faithfulness of Abraham. And he used Abraham... Um, and that was the touch point, this, the starting point, that through Abraham and his seed, he would reach into the rest of the world. So is it a heritage that we have? Is that why I was chosen? Am I the right nationality? Or is it perhaps a talent that we have? I can sing. I can skip. I can leap. I can add. I'm really good at mathematics. I can think. I can burp. I can sleep. I can stand on one uh, leg and put my head... Uh, pat my head and rub my belly and sing Yankee Doodle. Have you ever tried that? You know where you, you do that? Is that why you've been chosen? Because you're particularly talented? 
Why did Paul tell the church that you have been chosen? Verse 4 continues and says, chosen us in him. That is an extremely important phrase. We have been chosen. He has chosen us in him. I want to expand on this idea of chosen, choosing. Um, in the Greek lexicon, it, it says, or in, the, in the, the concordance, it says of, of choosing, the definition, the Greek word being eklegomai, it says of God choosing, one of the, the sub-definitions is of God choosing whom he judged fit to receive his favors and separated from the rest of mankind to be peculiarly his own and to be attended continually by his gracious oversight. So in other words, like Israel, he chose them, he judged them fit to receive his favors. I choose you because of Abraham and I'm going to favor you and I'm going to separate you from the rest of mankind to be my own. My precious, my treasure. And then there's an additional uh, a sense of the word, and it's this. Of God the Father choosing Christians as those whom he set apart from the irreligious multitude as dear unto himself, and whom he has rendered through faith in Christ citizens in the messianic kingdom, so that the ground of the choice lies in Christ and his merits only. So what this is saying that God has chosen from the multitude of irreligious people unto himself those, uh, and he has rendered them through faith in Christ. This is the, the important part here. Through faith in Christ, and he has made them citizens of the messianic kingdom so that the ground of the choice lies in Christ and his merits only. So remember I was asking why me? Why, why did he choose me? Was it because of my attributes or my heritage or my talents? God has chosen the people, the church, the citizens of heaven in Christ and in Christ alone and by Christ's merits alone. Has nothing to do with who you are and what you can present to the kingdom. So if you stand back and you say, well, look, he's chosen me, and if that becomes a point of pride in your life, no, 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 no. This has nothing to do with you and your talents or what you can recommend yourself to. It has everything to do with being chosen in Christ, by his merit, through faith in Jesus Christ. So... The reason I say that in Christ, and because this is a theme that we're going to see all through Ephesians, I want to just remind, remind you what it means, that word in. It is a primary preposition denoting position, being in Christ. You are in Christ, like positionally, you are in Christ. And also by implication, instrumentality, meaning Christ is instrumental. He is a means by which you have become saved. And I read this uh, this uh, summary of this. It's of a person to whom another is wholly joined. So us being wholly joined to Christ 
and to whose power and influence we are subject, so that the former, so that Christ is likened unto the place in which we abide or which we live. We are so submitted and and dedicated to Christ and so um, wholly attached to him and to his ways and to his purposes that when a person looks at us, they say they're living in Christ. The me, the I, they disappear and Christ is what stands there. That's what it means to be in Christ. It's not just a a simple little thing. Uh, Speaking earlier about why the Israelites, they were chosen. It says, and because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out of his might and with his mighty power out of Egypt, out out of his sight, sorry. Uh, First Peter speaks about us being chosen. But ye are a chosen generation. So we see this notion, this idea, this truth that God has chosen. He has chosen us in Christ, in him. So the question I have to uh, propose to you, and I hope the question that some of you are asking, is how do I become or how do I get to be in Christ? Because really, this is the, the whole, the nub of it, is that we need to be in Christ. And, and that everything that we think recommends us to God is nothing other than our status in Christ. First John chapter 5, verses 11 to 13 say this, And this is the record that God hath given, us, given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Ephesians, later on in Ephesians, we're going to read these verses in chapter 2. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when you're thinking about that list, what it is that makes me saved, what it is that puts me in Christ, it's not of works. There's nothing that we can do. It is pure and simply by faith. Faith in the gospel, the, the message of the gospel, which, and we heard it this morning, which is that Jesus uh, uh, died and was resurrected and sits at the right hand of the Father, and that he died specifically to be the propitiation for our sins, that a replacement, that assuaging of the wrath of God and, and the judgment of God, and he took it in our place. And that he is victorious as he resurrected from the dead. And that he has now broken the bonds of sin. The dominion of sin is no longer uh, on him or his followers. And those who identify themselves as being in Christ. Belonging to him. Giving our lives. Giving our wills. Our ambitions to him. And losing ourselves in him. Because he is the son of God. And that is my faith. And that is what I truly believe. And that that would then become the catalyst for living a selfish life to now living a life dedicated to him 
That's what it means to become in Christ, to be in Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. The question also then that I have, the next question, why not others? Why, why did Jesus, why did God go to the church and say, you are chosen in Christ? Why did he not choose something else? Then Jesus said unto the twelve, this is Simon Peter, um, and, and the, the disciples, the apostles, uh, when, uh, Jesus was preaching and the message became too much for some of the people and they left. And Jesus said unto the twelve, will you also go away? And these words then Simon Peter says, to whom shall we go, Lord? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Only Jesus had the words of eternal life. And therein is the truth, men and women, that there are so many other uh, uh, alternatives, if you will, so many other isms in this world. And, and as I was going through the book of Revelation, I, I was so hit by the fact that the great harlot of Babylon really was that alternative to the true bride. The alternative to the gospel. That, that It was a counterfeit news, not the good news. It was the counterfeit which proposed to everybody, come and follow me, take of what I have for you. That is eternal life. That is the goal. And and. and Peter rightly identifies here, nobody else has the words of life. All of these are deceptions. All of these are falsities, and they will not accomplish salvation. None of these are valid. And so finally, the question is, what are we chosen for? So who has chosen us? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has chosen us. Why has he chosen us? He has chosen us in Christ. Because of who Christ is. Because of uh, our position in Christ. What Christ has done for us. Why has he not chosen another vehicle? Because there is no other way. There's only the way of Christ. No other way by which men can be saved. So now the question that remains is, what, for what purpose has he chosen us? Has he chosen us to be saved? The scripture already says earlier that we are in him. He has chosen us in him. He is addressing those who already are saved. So this is not a a statement that's saying that God has chosen us to be saved. It is not a call or a choosing to be in Christ, but it is a choosing already in Christ. Has he called us or chosen us to be evangelists, ministers of reconciliation? Has he chosen us to be singers? Has he chosen us to be builders? What has he chosen us for? The answer is this, that we should be holy and without blame before him. He has chosen us that we should be holy and without blame before him. Now, when God chooses us to be holy, there's there's two ways you need to look at this. Positionally, we are holy. 
This is being in Christ. But there is the progressive sanctification. Progressively, we are becoming more and more and more sanctified. More and more and more separated. So what does it mean to be holy? The Greek word for holy used here is hagios. Commonly, we look at this, and the definition is to set apart for God, to be, as it were, exclusively His. So as we think about uh, considering the people of Israel and now also the new church, so just as the Israelites claimed for themselves the title, holy, because God selected them from the other nations to lead a life acceptable to Him and to rejoice in His favor and protection, so this application is very often in the New Testament transferred to Christians as those whom God has selected that under the influence of the Holy Spirit they may be rendered through holiness partakers of salvation in the kingdom of God. So we see that there is this setting apart to be, as it were, exclusively His. So what are we doing at this point? You are being set apart to be exclusively his. Note, he has not told you to do anything. He has told you that you are set apart. You are mine. Now, as it pertains to this verse exactly, it speaks of, of sacrifices and offerings prepared for God with solemn rite to be pure and clean. And then from this, this preparing that's being done to us, you are being prepared to be, for God to, with uh, solemn rites and to be pure and clean. So hence, in a moral sense, we are being, uh, we are holy or we are being called to be holy, to be pure, sinless, upright, and holy. See, at this point, you have not been called to do anything. You have been selected Chosen to become something, to become holy, to become sanctified, to be separated, to become pure and without blemish. <clears throat> if we look further on in, in Ephesians, we're going to see that this is addressed by, uh, by the apostle Ephesians 5. So we read this oftentimes, right, at weddings. Ephesians 5. 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is what we are called to be, uh, chosen to be holy and without a blemish, to be blameless. So the second word that we're called to be here, which is without blame, it says, so blameless means without fault, innocent, guiltless, not meriting censure. Without a blemish. So we are called to be uh, uh, without fault. You're called to be innocent. Now, if you've done the crime, what do you need to do to be innocent? It's a little bit of a trick question. Nothing. 
You can't become innocent. You can't go back in time and declare yourself innocent. You can't go back and undo what you have done. When you have done something and you have been caught, no, regardless of whether you've been caught or not, you are guilty of the crime. And so the, the apostle is saying, I've chosen you, or God has chosen you rather, to be uh, uh, holy, separated, and to be uh, uh, without blame. Innocent. And again, you can't do this though. This is not something that you can just declare on your own that I am without guilt. That I am blameless. I am innocent. This is something that has to be done by whom? By the judge. To say that your guilt is no longer on you. That your guilt has been paid. Or it has been uh, properly redeemed. What is a blemish? Because uh, part of the definition of to be blameless is without blemish. A blemish is any mark of deformity, any scar or defect that diminishes beauty or renders imperfect that which is well formed. You see, we start to get this picture here that holiness, God is holy, and he is the absolute standard of holy. Everything that we want to describe as holy has to be measured against the character and the attributes of God. And so when the closer we become to being holy is the closer we become to being less of ourselves and more filled with the character and the attributes of God. And this is pure and simply the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives, transforming you, uh, sanctifying you, cutting away those little parts of you that are, uh, that are ugly, that are um, impure. He's taking the lust and he's trying to get that lust out of you. And he's trying to sanctify you by the word. He's trying to take the greed or the hatred or, or the the remorse and, 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 and all of these things that are, are taking this perfect and beautiful and blemishing it. Making it look ugly. And so I start to, as I, I ponder this, I start to see that this isn't a call for you to act good. This is a call for all of us to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctifying, making us beautiful. Making us more like Jesus Christ. To be conformed into the image of God. And you see, we sometimes we put the cart before the horse and, and we think to ourselves, oh, these are good Christian virtues, uh, or these are, these are the, the, the real pioneers of the, okay, let's go through, uh, Hebrews 11. We look at the, the, um, the, the heroes of faith and what did they do? And I'm gonna do that. Oh, that's the wrong approach. The approach that we need to do is to go to God. We, we have to go to Him and allow Him to sanctify us. He has said, that's what I picked you for. I picked you out of all of these other people because you are in Christ. And now that you are positionally holy, I'm taking you and I want to change you. I want to transform you. And I want to make you beautiful again because you are so precious to me. So when we think about being chosen and, you know, and for all of the insecurities that we may carry with us and how we want to be accepted, how we want to be uh, chosen of our peers or chosen of our, of our, our parents or of our lover and so on and so forth, God has said, I choose you. Why? Not because of what you are, but because of what I know you can be. And I'm, my choosing is to bring you to that place where you are holy. 
you, where you are without blame, it says, before God, before him in love. Why did he do this? Why did he choose you because of love? Why did he choose you? Because in his eyes, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. All of you are beautiful. And God sees so much more than what this world sees. And he says, I want to take you and I want to change you. And I'm going to do it because I know you can't do it. And then, then, when we have become more like the image of the sun. This is a really neat thing. You are going to become more useful to him as well. You are going to become more loving. You are going to be a person that hopes. You are going to be a person who's patient and have that temperance, that control. And all of the things, the, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we maybe sometimes try to force, push through on our own, if we just let God make us holy and blameless before him, then these things are going to happen. See, he doesn't want us. Like, think about in Matthew, uh, at, at close to the end there, I can't remember exactly the verse, but those people came to him and said, Oh Lord, Lord, look at, you know, what, look what we've done in your name. We, we've cast out demons and we've performed miracles. And he said, Get away from me. Depart from me. I never knew you. You were never in Christ. You never submitted to the whole, the sanctification, to becoming holy. I chose you. I wanted to choose you. And I had a plan for you, a purpose for you to become holy. And you didn't. You thought you could do it on your own. And so, oh, sure, you went and did great things. And you know, in this world, so many people have gone and done really, really neat things. But look at the the atrocities that have happened in the name of religion because people thought they could force it themselves. They thought they could circumvent being in Christ and instead have this holy fervor, they thought, and and that they could go and and, and on these great crusades or they could go and, and do all these things. Meanwhile, in their lives, they neglected the call to holiness and so there's great perversions there. There's lust and there's greed and all these other atrocities and and these people are okay with that. They're okay with that disparity in their lives where they where they're doing God's work. I'll put that in quotes because in their minds they're doing God's work. They're they're prophesying and casting out demons and all these different things. And yet in their heart is this deception and darkness. And they've totally missed the point. They totally missed the point. They thought doing was better than being. Brothers and sisters, what a glorious uh, uh Spiritual blessing we have here, that we have been chosen. That we have been chosen by the God Almighty to be holy and blameless. Step back. Get out of the way. I've got work to do in your life. Stop messing it up by trying to be holy yourself. Right here. This right here. I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic. <laughs> we have maybe more questions 
well, you know, uh, how do I do all this, right? We, we get so lazy and we don't want to get into the Word then. We, we want it, the fast track. We want to jump ahead and, oh, just make me holy. The Scriptures say, sanctify me by thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, so you see the pictures of, I love that old picture of, of an old man sitting on a ta- wooden table, or he, the wooden table's before him, and he's got a loaf of bread and a candle, and he's got the word of God in front of him. That's not just a hallmark moment, men and women. That's the goal, is that we are in the word. And, and before we dismiss, you know, maybe some of these old stories of our, our brothers and sisters who knew the word, or, or we, we, you know, relegate to uh, a foreign lands those who are so desperate for the word and for sanctification that they consume the word and they memorize it. And they won't just memorize 125 verses for a camp essay contest or for the memorization contest. They remember all of Romans and all of Ephesians and whoever knows how much more. The rabbis, that was so important to them. The word, they put this, the word on such a high pedestal. If you men and women, brothers and sisters, want to be uh, chosen or, or, or to be sanctified and to be like Christ... Get into the Word. We have to take this so serious. You know, we get so distracted with all that's going on outside. And we forget the Word. I have to, sometimes in the mornings I wake up late and then I I rush, I grab a coffee and I'm out the door and my car is barreling down the driveway and it's still cold. What have I forgotten? The most important thing in the world. What a blessing, brothers and sisters. What a blessing we have that God has chosen us, that he has made it possible that we are part of the body of Christ, that we can be in Christ and to be so lost in Christ and that he then works in our hearts. My prayer is that these words, that this spiritual blessing that is secured in heaven, that no, nothing in this world can shake or take away because it has been established already in heavenly places. May this truth transform us a little bit. May it take us uh, out of the, the works treadmill and instead uh, put us on, onto the word. Put us into the word. And if that's the case, then we will be a church that is transformed and we will be a church that is vibrant, and, and we, when, when that next time that that uh, officer comes in the door, he's going to look, and he's going to say, wow, I've never seen a church this vibrant. I've never seen so many. It's, it's almost as if they are one body. I can just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit here. I can see the love here. I hope that that's our, our, our end. I hope that when he returns, he will find us faithful. Amen.